uh, that, that'd be just fine. Exodus chapter 3 uh, here, and we'll begin in verse 1. We'll read a few verses of Scripture. And this morning I'll be preaching on discovering your life mission. Uh, and as I was talking this morning in the Sunday school class, every person, every human being uh, is here for a reason. Uh, God has made you. He has created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're here to glorify and to honor God. Uh, you're here to do the things that God has designed you to do. And no, that is not sitting on a bing bag, eating Cheetos, watching Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, uh, That's not what it's about. It's about serving the Lord. It's about getting involved in the house and the work of God. It's about when we come together to worship, uh, it's about lifting up our voices. It's about getting involved. You say, well, it's just so boring. Maybe it's you that is in boring. It's boring. Get in. Let's get excited about things. I remember growing up, uh, our churches were filled to capacity, and when you get 150 50 people lifting their voices up singing, hold the fort. They can take the roof off that thing. People were happy to be saved. I believe the devil's got a bunch of us beat down. We've kind of forgotten what God has made us for. We've forgotten about what God has brought us here for. And now we're down and out. We're wretched. We're miserable. We're poor. We're naked and blind, just like the Laodicean church. And we need a little reviving. So... Exodus chapter 3. How do we discover our life's mission? Uh, You're not put on this earth just to uh, get up, go to work, come home, eat supper, go to bed. Uh, There's more to life than that. Uh, God has something for you to do. You say, well, I've been doing a whole lot of that. That's probably why you're miserable. Now, let's find out here. He says, now, verse 1, now Moses, he kept the flock of Jethro. So he was getting up, going to work, and doing it all over again. And he says to his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And uh, get this now, verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, you need to understand that. Lord ain't going to tell you or talk to you or spend any time with you until you decide to turn aside for God. I'm talking and preaching to save people. I'm not talking about lost people this morning. I'm talking to save people. I'm preaching to save folks on their life and discovering their life mission. That means there's going to be a time and a place that you're going to have to come by and you're going to have to see the mountain of God and say, I need to turn aside in here and see a little something. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God. And God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moabry said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. And Lord, help us today. Lord, we need something from your book. 
We need direction in our life. And I understand uh, it's one thing to be saved and uh, to enjoy that. But it's another thing to discover what you have us here for and then to be able to fulfill that life mission. There's nothing that brings satisfaction and peace and fulfillment and purpose in life like serving you. Help your people to want to serve you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As I said, by way uh, of getting started, every single person on this planet uh, has, uh, has a purpose. Don't let the devil tell you you do not have purpose. Don't let this world and demon-possessed people tell you that you're just a, a massive glob or you're, you're just an, an experiment. You're just part of evolution. No, you've been created. Uh, God has created you. And He says this in Revelation chapter 4. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, and for Thou hast created all things, that includes us, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We're here to serve God. We're here to bring pleasure to the Savior. And Jeremiah says this, I didn't quote this last week, but I've been on this abortion because it's a hot topic in our country. And I spent some time thinking about this and how wicked our nation is today to think that life in the womb is not important. Let me just read to you a couple scripture from the Bible, and I hope that you have a biblical worldview today. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before... I formed thee in the belly. There it is. That means you were conceived. That means you had a spirit. You had a soul, but maybe your body was not fully developed. He said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. That means there was something there. It had a consciousness. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Don't you let this world tell you that people do not have purpose. God allows, he says, children are the fruit of the womb, the reward of God. And I believe that we have aborted in this country many of God's blessings. I believe some of the children that we've aborted probably uh, might have had a cure for cancer, had a cure for leukemia, maybe had a cure for COVID, maybe had the next invention. I mean, I'm telling you, God's a good God, but yet we're destroying and offering our children up on the, uh, the altars of Molech. I want to preach on that so bad <laughs> sometime. My point I'm making is every human being has purpose. You are here not to just go to work, get up, come home, drink iced tea, eat supper, go to bed, get up. Did, did anybody else in here do that? You catch yourself coming and going. It's like, is this it? You're working yourself to death and you're just like, what in the world? Well, there's purpose. There's purpose. And God has made every human being with a purpose in mind. Let me give you something out of Psalms 139. He says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He's talking about children in the womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. He's talking about a child as it grows in the womb. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
talking about the center, the womb, the hara. Uh, Japanese, the center is hara, hara. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, that means he wasn't fully formed yet. And in thy book, there's that book God's writing things in. All my members were written, you better believe it. When a child is conceived, it is written in the book of God. He writes it down. It's been recorded. And it looks to me uh, like from this Bible, he says, he says, when the members begin to be formed, God writes them down, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. So as that baby develops one month, two month, three month, four month, five month, God's writing it down and recording it. Say, what are you trying to say? I'm saying our life has purpose. Our church has purpose. You have purpose. People have purpose. Moses had purpose. Our problem is people don't know how to discover their purpose in life. Not all of us are going to be called to be preachers. God called me to be a pastor. I couldn't be an evangelist. I would not make a good evangelist. I don't like working with different people every week. I want to work with the same group of people every day, all day, all year, for the rest of my life. That's just what God has designed me. It's how He's designed me. I like seeing the same faces. I like order. I like stability. Uh, that, that, that tends to be more of a pastor. An evangelist, you listen to this. I don't want to see the same people every Sunday. I'm bored with that. I want to preach and say what I want to say and get gone and let the preacher take care of all the problems. <laughs> And that's a nice life. And God has, has made evangelists to do uh, evangelistic type things. And God has called missionaries. And they go, I couldn't be a missionary. I don't want to go to Mexico. I don't want to go to North Korea. I don't want to go to Africa. I didn't lose nothing down there. I don't want to go to Canada. I'm right here. Say, well, why? Because that's how God made me. But there are men, there are people that God has called and their purpose was to be a missionary. We support some good missionaries from this church. Josh Hill, he's doing a wonderful job down there in Guatemala. Uh, Doug Rogers, he's doing a wonderful job in, in the, uh, Latin America. Danny Rogers, he's pastoring now, he's up here. But we got uh, the, is it the Brogdens? The Brogdens, Browers, Browers. Brogdens were from missionaries who supported growing up. And I knew that family. They were in, if I remember right, Papua New Guinea. Boy, they had some stories. They had some stories. Raymond Sorrows, Papua New Guinea. We don't support them, but my mind is rambling and rolling on the missionaries we support because God called those men. He tooled those men for a specific job. Everybody has purpose, but it is our responsibility to discover what our purpose is in the body of Christ and what our job is to do. I assure you that you, if you're a saved individual, your job is not just to sit and do nothing. Your job is to be active in the work of the Lord. You say, well, I just don't know what to do. There's plenty to do around here. Anybody with eyes can see there's lots to do. 
plenty to do. Uh, somebody could, like I said, we need Sunday school teachers. We need choir directors. We need piano players. We need these things. They say, well, you're so mean. Hard preaching doesn't run people off. It really don't. It don't. <laughs> now, the devil, <laughs> he might get in the mix. But hard preaching. Jesus was a hard preacher. Uh, the apostle John was a hard preacher. Paul was a hard preacher. Moses, he wasn't a wimp either. So, preacher, <laughs> how do we discover our life mission? Well, number one. You need to be looking for the greatness of God. If you're saved, you're born again, you need to begin to look around for the greatness of God. You need to stop looking around to be critical, looking around to say, I just don't know if that's right. I don't think I'd pastor that church that way. Well, maybe God called you to preach and pastor. I'm amazed at that. But you need to be looking for the greatness of God. Look here. Verse 1. says, And Moses, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now, he didn't do that by accident. He did that on purpose. He was leading a flock. I'm going to throw this in there. This is free of charge. <laughs> it's something that hit me this week. I couldn't get away from it. Maybe there's a preach. A message in here to help encourage preachers. But have you ever noticed in the Bible that God called a lot of herdsmen to minister like Moses? David was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. I mean, God spoke to shepherds. <laughs> Moses and David were great leaders. And, but yet they were shepherds. You want to know why? Because when you're leading God's people, you have to deal with a lot of poo. The shepherd, if, you, if you're a herdsman, I thought that'd go over better than that. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to deal with a lot of poo. If you're a farmer, if you have cattle, if you have sheep, what's the biggest thing you've got to deal with? Poo. That's right. It comes with the job. It comes with the territory. And we're going to get into this. I can see some of you really excited about Exodus. <laughs> it's like, Moses dealt with a lot of poo <laughs> as he led the children of Israel. But it was his purpose and it's what God had called him to do. But you're going to have to be looking for the greatness of God. You, you're just not going to be walking around the wilderness willy-nilly and expect God to hit you with a bolt of lightning and say, Oh! He went to the mountain of God. Did you catch that? That was a well-known mountain. That's where Elijah run. When Jezebel got after him, and I assure you, when somebody gets after you, you might need to run to the mountain of God. But he went there and he led his flock of sheep out there, his father-in-law's sheep out there, because he wanted to see what was going on on the mountain of God. He was looking for something. He wasn't there by accident. It was on purpose, and he had a desire to see the things of God. It was called the mountain of God. Moses seen the working of God here in the burning bush. Had he never been there, he'd have never seen it. And then Moses, when he seen that burning bush, I'm not preaching on the burning bush, it's here. I want to preach on the mountain of God. 
I mean, I, we, we can go somewhere with that. That mountain God, where God is. I hope this church can be known in this community as a place where God is. A place where God meets with this. Where God says, I don't know if he's in any, any of these other churches. I'm sure he is in some of them. But here, I want it to be known that God is here. You want to hear, if you want to feel God, you want to see God, uh, you can go down to that church. That'd be a good reputation to have, wouldn't it? I don't want us to have dollar seat Sunday. Everybody come in looking and see what's taped underneath their pew to see if they're the big winner or not. Try to get people in. We're not doing that. I want to be known as a place where God will show up. And you can be looking for the greatness of God. God didn't speak to him until he had been arrested by God's greatness. When he seen that burning bush, and it wasn't burning, now that was a sight to behold. And he wanted to, he says, I, he turned aside. He had some curiosity. He had a desire. This was on the mountain of God. What is this thing? I bet he kind of got a little excited down inside. Had a little excitement down there. It was something to break up the humdrum of the day. He was taking time for God. I will assure you, church, you'll ne never discover God's purpose for your life if you're not involved in church. You won't. And I believe that's why a lot of people choose not to be that involved because they're afraid. They're afraid that God, they know God's got a reason for them to be there, and they don't want to know about it. I, I'm sure of that. Because I've been told so many times, people say, I'd come down to your church, but it's so small, I go to the big church so I can hide. You want to know why they do that? They're not looking for the greatness of God. They don't want to be used. They don't want to discover their purpose in life. They want to hide they want to be an undercover agent for God. They want to say, you know, I just want to sit and I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to, I don't want to be criticized. I, I, I don't ever want to uh, be scrutinized. I don't ever want somebody to say something negative towards me because I'm in a position of leadership. Well, keep doing what you're doing. But I promise you, you'll end up taking pills to try to get through that humdrum. You're going to have to be looking for the greatness of God. You're going to have to pull over on life's road and take time for God. You've got to take some time for God. You're going to have to be looking for the greatness of God. Point two. We caught it in verse four. When God seen that he pulled over, he turned aside and was curious about the greatness and the working of God, then, and the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called. You're going to have to be listening to the Word of God. It's real simple. Simple message this morning. You need to be looking for the greatness of God and listening to the Word of God. Okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening for it. No, I said listen to the Word of God. 
God's got his word right here. This is how God just never speaks to me, preacher. I just can't sit right here. Did, well, did you read it this week? Did you read anything from this Bible? This is when God speaks to you. You read you some Bible. That's God's word. You need to begin to listen to God's word. That also takes time. You will not discover your purpose in life and what God has called you to do without ever being in the Word of God. Real simple. And it's right here. And if it's good enough for Moses, it'll be good enough for us. We need to listen to the Word of God. God saw that He took time to see. You want to see the supernatural power of God? Make time for God. You want to hear the Word of God? Make time for God. If you won't make time to see the works of God, you won't listen to the Word of God. That's right. If you don't ever take an interest and a desire to see the greatness of God, then you'll never hear and listen to the Word of God. Never, never. Say, oh, preacher, it's real simple. Look for the greatness of God. Listen to the Word of God. Watch how this unfolds here. And this is where we'll spend a little time this morning. Verse 5. And the Lord, when Moses come to see this thing, and then God speaks to him, immediately, verse 5, and he said, Draw not nigh hither. This is God speaking to Moses. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Say, okay, what, what's the importance there? Number one, looking for the greatness of God, listening to the, the Word of God. And number three, you're not going to discover your life purpose until you learn the holiness of God. We've got a whole generation. We've got a whole nation that doesn't know anything about the holiness of God. And any time anybody preaches on the holiness of God... The separation of God. People get all biblical and say, well, that's legalism. That's legalism. That's not right. No, it's not right because it, uh, it doesn't pet your flesh. You will not discover your purpose that God has designed you for until you learn the holiness of God. Before you can teach others about holiness, you've got to learn holiness. Oh, we're talking about good old-fashioned sanctification. God immediately begins to teach him, now that he had arrested his attention, now that he had listened to the Word of God, now he's going to teach him a little something about the reverence and fear of God. And when you come to God's place, when you come to God's mountain, there should be some reverence in your life. There should be a little godly fear down in there. And to know that God is holy, and God has commanded us, he says, Be ye holy as I am holy. Peter says that. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. And all manner of conversation, that's how you live, that's how you look, that's how you smell. I spent some time this week thinking about the youth choir and the church and, and that I want our young folks to look like Christians. 
I want them to exhibit and to be examples of the holiness of God. When we come in here, this world, there's people that are lost and they're dying and they don't, they're going to hell and they need to be able to come into the place of God and see a little holiness of God on God's children. After all, if we don't have reverence for God, why would they? God teaches Moses about holiness. That's why I've said I've been burdened for a couple of years now. Uh, uh, people, we do not know enough about God. This is all precedent. And before we ever get to the Gospels, before we ever get to John 3.16, we should understand and know something about the holiness of God. God didn't save you to live in sin and to stay in sin. God saved you from your sin. God didn't save you to stay and look like Egypt. He called you out of Egypt. And I don't want our youth running around looking like Egypt's land. We need to look like God's children. There needs to be some holiness. I don't like that preacher. Well, let me tell you something. God's, the man's that's been going on these last 30, 40 years has not made us stronger as Christians now, has it? The dancing crowd, the smoke crowd, the laser light show crowd, it's not doing more for God. It's done less. And it's because we, <laughs> we want to do what we want to do. And we don't want to learn anything about God's holiness. Immediately, God begins to teach him and says, Uh-uh, get them shoes off. Take them off because you're on holy ground here. Some have said this is Mount Sinai. This is where God gave to Moses, and I, I believe that to be true. I at first thought this was also Mount Moriah where Abraham uh, had offered up Isaac, but it wasn't. I had to do some real hard study to get that all straightened out. Mount Moriah is up there by uh, uh, Jerusalem and up in that area. This is down in the bottom there on Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, where God come down. This is where Elijah ran. So we learn about God. This helps us. We have to learn about the holiness of God because it helps us maintain a pure heart. I'm preaching to Christians. Save people. A pure heart is needed for right decision making. Your heart is a tool of discernment. Absolutely. You're sitting there as you're listening to me preach and there is something inside of you. It's your heart. It's your will. It's your mind. It's emotions and it's discerning. I don't like this or I like this. What he's saying is true. What he's saying is not true. But every person has this tool. Uh, have you ever been somewhere and got around a certain person and all of a sudden the hairs stand up on the back of your neck and you know to get away from that individual? That's called, your, that's called discernment. You get a bad vibe. It's a protective mechanism. It's a tool God has given to you to discern with. But here's the danger. It can be, it can, it's also can deceive you. All right? So it's important that you keep it holy, that you keep your heart pure. 
It helps you decide life's directions. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Yeah, amen. If your heart is dirty, it'll deceive you. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? A wicked heart will deceive you. Have you ever wondered why people that are living in sin, they hear a preacher or they hear somebody say, you shouldn't be doing that. And they're like, hey, it's, it's okay for me. I think it's okay. I don't see nothing wrong with it. You say, what's wrong? Their tool's dirty. Their discernment tool, their heart is dirty. It's not pure. And if your heart is not kept pure, you will not discern right. And you'll never discover the purpose and the job and the mission God has made you for. Because your tools, one of the things I learned plastering, you can tell a whole lot about a plaster or a mechanic or any tradesman by how their tools look. Their tools might be worn, their tools might be old, but they'll be clean if he's a good mechanic. That's just a rule. It's true for Christians. You got Christians that won't keep themselves pure and won't keep their hearts clean and therefore they're dirty vessels and they can't discern right and they get led astray and they will not keep the tool God has given every human being the ability to discern. I'll bet you some of you might have discerned that I was a little stirred this morning. How many discern that? Yeah, I didn't mean to be. Just kind of got moved. I, I, I want us to enjoy God in our song service. I want us to, to sing out loud. But I can't do it all, folks. I can't play the piano and jump and skip and holler and lead the singing all at the same time. And the older I get, <laughs> the less I don't want to. <laughs> there ought to be some joy in us. But if our tools are dirty, our discernment's off. And you'll never discover what God has designed you to do in this life. You say, well, preacher, what would be some of the things God might have me for? You know what? Every church needs just good old-fashioned faithful people that anytime something needs to be done or some help, here am I. Here, I want, to be, I want to be involved. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. We don't have enough faithful people. Warming a pew is hard work. <laughs> Coming in every week, every time the doors are open, and sitting here and listening to your preacher butcher God's English. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit's got to try to give you something out of this mess. That's a special tool God's given you, and that's good. But faithful people, we, we got to get involved and work for God and do things for God and be excited about God. And I understand about seasons in life. I don't feel like singing this morning. You know, I'm not on cloud nine this morning. But we need to learn how to maintain a pure heart. Now, here's why. Without God's holiness, and that's what he's teaching Moses, there's a holy side of God. 
Without God's holiness, our hearts will deceive us. Moses, remember, he got mad over there. God told him to speak to the rock. And Moses got mad and he struck the rock. Why did he do that? Because he felt like it was the right thing to do at the time. And his heart wasn't pure like it should have been. And God had to get on him for it. You got to keep that heart pure. A pure heart is the only lens through which you can see God's will with. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Oh, preacher, that's just talking about salvation. No, it's talking about the will of God. It's talking about all of it. This message started with Moses wanting to see something on the mountain of God. Do you come to the house of God to see something? Are you coming to see the greatness of God? Do you even pray and ask God, God, I want you to get in this service. We need to come looking for the greatness of God. We need to be willing to listen to the Word of God, but to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And then learn the holiness of God. It's important. I believe many people never discover their life mission for God because they aren't looking to see God. They're not listening for the Word of God, but mostly they're not learning the holiness of God. You would not drink out of a dirty glass. I might, but you wouldn't. (laughs) Why would we expect God to drink out of a dirty vessel? God wants holy vessels. God wants clean vessels, pure vessels. You say, I'm not perfect. I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm talking about confession. I'm talking about getting right with God. And getting our, our downsides and getting our sin under the blood and getting that cup cleansed with the blood of the Lamb so God can use us and we can be a vessel of honor, not a vessel of dishonor. Many people today miss this simplicity and they'll never discover God's life mission. And by the way, I'm preaching this because some of our teens are getting ready to enter the danger zone, what I call the danger zone. That's between the ages of 17 and 30. The decisions that you make between the ages of 17 and 30 will set your course for life. And if you make a bad decision there, it'll scar you for the rest of your life. You'll have baggage that you never dreamed. Say, how do I manage my way the danger zone start at a young age looking for the greatness of God listening to the word of God and learning about the holiness of God because your heart if it is not kept pure if it's not kept clean it will deceive you into making wrong decisions And it'll scar you for life. I want our teens and our children to make better decisions than we did. 
But that's going to take working with them. That's going to take a pastor in their life. It's going to take a mommy and a daddy or a grandpa and a grandma that's going to allow a pastor to have some input in their life and they're on the same page with the man of God who's on the same page with the Word of God to help them navigate through the danger zone. 17 to 30. And I got news for you. If they don't get started on the right starter formula between the ages of zero and five, there's a good chance they're going to mess up in the danger zone. 52 going on 53, I've seen some children go astray. My pappy had an old saying, hide and watch. Hide and watch. There's people that I was raised in church with, and they had a different mindset. They wanted to play church by a different set of rules than what this Bible said. And so I remember my pappy saying, well, just hide and watch. Whether what we're seeing, what we're saying we're seeing is right, or if what they're saying is right, let's find out. Well, we watched. And now they're not to be found because they fail in the danger zone. They did not make good decisions because they didn't want to learn about the holiness of God. In the house of God, at the mountain of God. And they definitely didn't want to listen to the word of God. You want to discover your life mission. What you were made for you're going to have to be looking for the greatness of God. Listen to the Word of God and learn about the holiness of God. Let's all stand this morning.